ever been in a situation where you felt you were wronged or hurt? <laughs> that should be like a resounding, of course, of yes, right? And so there's there's no way we can live in this world without being hurt, right? It's it's pretty much inevitable. And every person in here, um, uh, I'm assuming, has experienced some level of hurt at some point in our lives and probably experiencing hurt today. Right. And, um, you know, as a minister in God's church, I can I can count. I can't count the times how many times I have been hurt or have hurt somebody else. Um, I can't count how many times I've heard from others about the times they have been pierced or mistreated or even been victim of victim of wrongdoing. I've walked by people, right, in public, in some public place, and sometimes the words that I hear exchanged is heartbreaking, right? There is hurt in this world. I mean, if you watch the news, there is hurt in this world, right? I think our news are, is saturated with hurt, Right. Um, and so if you're here today and you're carrying the weight of hurt, then today's message may be hard to hear. Or it may be encouraging for you to hear. Because the reason I say it's hard to hear, because it involves a spiritual surgery. I'm not trying to add to the pain you may be feeling, but the fact of the matter is surgery is never fun. No. The good news is that surgery can cut out what is toxic. Many of you who have had surgery, you know what I mean. It's not fun experiencing and it's not fun um, recovering from it either. God wants to remove what is toxic from our hearts. He wants us to live lives of joy, of love and unity. And so the surgery I'm referring to this morning is forgiveness. Amen. You know, forgiveness is, is important in restoring unity. Forgiveness is important to build a bridge between us and connect us rather than a wall. And there's no unity without forgiveness. You know, one of the things I want to focus on this morning or the big idea of this message the, the, that we want to, that I want you to walk away with is God has forgiven us. Therefore, we must forgive others. You know, whenever we're tempted to, to harbor unforgiveness in our hearts, we should remind ourselves of the great forgiveness God extends to us. Forgiveness is important in a sinful world. Where all people are sinners. In the first place, because we're all in need of being forgiven, aren't we? And in the second place, because people keep on sinning against us so that we ourselves are constantly confronted with situations in which the followers of Jesus are required to forgive. Amen. Martin Luther says that forgiveness is not an occasional art. It is a permanent attitude. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, God, just so grateful for your love. We're grateful for your grace and your mercy. 
Father, I pray that as we look through your word, both Old Testament and New, that we will leave here with changed hearts. We know that your word is inspired by you. God, I pray that we will accept it in our hearts and that this will not be my message, Father, but yours from your scripture. For your sons in my prayer. Amen. Amen. And so what I want to start by looking at is reversing the law of Lamech. Huh? What are we talking about? Well, Jesus uses a parable to explain the rationale for his previous commands, right? And that's what he, used, he uses many of his parables for. And in a nutshell, his teaching is as follows. It says, God eternally and unconditionally forgives those who repent of so immense a debt against him that it is unconscionable for believers, for disciples to refuse to grant forgiveness to each other for sins that remain quite trivial in comparison. And so, as I mentioned, let us take a pause and go back a little bit to, well, not just a little bit, but kind of far back into Genesis, right? Genesis 4, starting in verse 23, it says, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding, a young man for injuring. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 77 times. And so what we have here in Genesis is that Lamech, he killed a man for wounding him, right? And then said he would seek revenge 77 times over, right? If anyone would come against him and hurt him. 77 times over. And so this became known as the law of Lamech. And it is this idea of the fact that if anyone inflicts pain on me, I will make them pay for it ever so severely. That's the law of Lamech. Like, if you hurt me, oh, I'm coming back for you. 77 times over, I'm coming back to get you. And it's quite, un- it's quite unfortunate when we, when we behave in this way, right? Because some of us do behave in this way, right? We want revenge. But Jesus calls us to the opposite of this behavior. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and, and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So as they have this discussion about relationships, right, in the church, Peter approaches Jesus and and makes it clear that, look, I have been hurt. Someone has hurt me. 
This has happened before. It happens over and over again where I keep getting hurt. And this isn't the first time that I've been hurt. And Lord, I know I'm your disciple. And I and I know I'm supposed to forgive this person who hurt me. But 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 it it does not at all seem fair to me that I have to forgive them over and over again. Why should I be the one to always forgive people? This is what Peter is thinking here. How often do I have to forgive him? Do I forgive him one time and then he hurts me again? How often do I have to keep forgiving him? Do I forgive him up to seven times? Seven times, Jesus? Do I forgive him up to seven times? You know, what what he does here is that there's this rabbinic teaching that if, if, you know, to forgive someone up to three times and then after that you could really seek revenge. That's the teaching. Forgive him up to three times, and after that, you can seek revenge on him all you want. So what Peter does here, he doubles that. And then he adds one for good measure. And he says, come on, Jesus, seven times. Look look, look what I'm talking about here. I bypass that, that the revenge after the first three times. I, I'll double it, and I'll give you one. And so... He feels like, man, I'm going above and beyond here. But Jesus says, don't just forgive seven times. Forgive 77 times. Can you imagine Peter's surprise at this when he when he hears this? Like, like, wait a second. Like I said, I just doubled it. I gave you one. And now you're saying 77 times? Really? Is that what I, I need to do here? Jesus goes way beyond Peter's offer with an incredible counteroffer. What Jesus is doing is he's reversing the law of Lamech. You know, there are two routes we can take when we are hurt. We can choose the law of Lamech, which is revenge that leads to death, or we can choose Jesus' charge to forgive, which leads to life. Which one will you choose? It's very clear. Matthew 18, starting in verse 23, Jesus, it goes on here. It says, therefore, the kingdom of God, of heaven, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Verse 26, it says, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. He begged, and I will pay back everything. Really? The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Wow. <laughs> See, in many, in many of Jesus' parables, the characters in the story, right, often represent God and people. 
And so, for instance, the, this, this story, the king represents God and the servant who owes 10,000 talents represents us. And so the servant owed 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents. And this would have been an enormous debt back then. Today's estimates in today's currency range from probably several million dollars to even a trillion dollars. It's a lot. And so we also look at this and what we read here is that the servant is begging. Right? The servant is begging. Isn't this what we all want even though we know we will never be able to pay the debt we owe? We beg for forgiveness from God. It says, be patient with me. How patient are we with each other? That's what he's begging for. He's begging for patience. And he comes, he, he throws himself down before him on his knees. And the first thing he says is, be patient with me. Now, it's not like he can pay back this debt, but he's begging for patience. He's like, please, like, be patient, lighten up on me. Guys, the debt can't be paid back. What we have done to Jesus and how we have hurt Jesus, it can't be paid back. Hence his death. He died for our sin. He canceled our debt. Just like this king did. Sometimes we live as if we can pay it back. But we cannot pay it back. The king had great compassion towards the servant's enormous debt. You know, in the 5th and 6th century England, there was a position of whipping boy. That was a position. Like, like you would have a position at your workplace, right? This was his position. His position was to be whipping boy. An individual who... If the prince did something wrong, he was punished instead of the prince. So if the prince messed up, get the whipping boy and whip him. Because we can't whip the prince. That was his position in life. That's what he did for a living. Right? Maybe, maybe he was paid a small amount for that, but I don't know if he was able to go spend it because he'd be hurting all the time. Jesus is the Passover lamb who dies so we can live. He is the divine whipping boy who is also the king. And instead of being punished for something he did wrong, he died on the cross for us, for our sin. And so Jesus' point here is that because of your sin, we owe God an unpayable moral and spiritual debt. See, God loves us. 
And because he knows there is no way for us to get out of our moral and spiritual debt on our own, he canceled the debts when Jesus died on the cross. And so this is central to our Christianity, guys. This is central in the core of our Christianity is this kind of forgiveness. So if we don't get this, if we're not excited about this, and if we're not excited about this with each other, something is wrong. Something is amiss. If we are not embracing this kind of forgiveness, it is the ultimate expression of the kingdom of God grounded in grace of forgiveness. But sometimes we don't want to do that. We find it hard to do that. It means that if God's kingdom is founded on forgiveness and grace, it empowers us. We're empowered. It empowers us who claim to be Christians to forgive those who are in debt to us. And so our immense debt to God that we could never repay is both our past lives and our lives today. How should God's mercy towards us transform the way you interact with each other? What does God forgive you of today? And what has he forgiven you of? It doesn't always work out like this, however. Sometimes there's a reversal of roles. In Matthew 28, verse, I'm sorry, Matthew 18, verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Remember the 10,000 talents? Now this dude owes a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He's about to choke this guy out. And so what happens here, it, it appears as if he intentionally, look what it says. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. So it's almost like he intentionally went out to find him. This dude owes me some money. He was just, he was, his debt was just canceled. Now he gets up and he's like, this dude owes me some money. I'm going to go find him. Maybe, maybe, you know, my debt was canceled, but I could put that money in my pocket. He planned to find him and have the debt repaid. Do we, do we intentionally plan to be resentful? Do we intentionally plan to be unforgiving? Like, is that something that we plan? Like, there ain't no way I'm forgiving this dude. Not going to happen. And verse 29 says, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Sound familiar? Be patient with me and I will pay it back. Verse 30. But he refused. And instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. See, the servant here undoubtedly 
owed his life to the king. He owed his, 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 his very being to this king. He owed his freedom, his family, his possessions, and everything he has to the grace of the master who spared his life. It was him being spared. But then he goes out and intentionally finds a man who owes him a debt of roughly $10,000 compared to the millions he owed in our currency. See, this debt that he owed was repayable. The, the, the debt that the, the guy he found owed, 10000 that's repayable. His debt, his debt wasn't repayable. And it was canceled. Now you see the comparison. You see the comparison of a debt that we can't repay and Jesus cancels our debts with his life, his very life. Right? Somebody steps on your white sneakers and you're like, uh-uh. -oh. That just will not do. No, sir, I just bought these Jordans yesterday. That ain't going to happen. Right? Somebody steals your French fry and you just can't forgive them. That's how we behave. I know some of us like French fries more than others. But that's how we behave. But they behave. In my world, and you know, in the Caribbean world, somebody steals my beef patty, we're gonna have some talks. Take my oxtail or my curry goat, we're gonna talk. Right? But you look at the comparison of these two things and you're like, how in the world does he go after this guy still? You know, unlike the king, the servant probably thought, you know, I'm going to make, I'm not going to make the same mistake as the silly old king did. I'm not going to take a hit on this. This man who owes me is going to pay me what he owes me. And so if you miss anything in this message, don't miss this observation, right? Is that we have a strong tendency to think, we can receive forgiveness from God, but not give it to one another. See, Jesus, Jesus looks at this as impossible. It's impossible to do that. It's impossible to be unforgiving and be righteous at the same time. Impossible. In order to forgive, we have to let God's grace take root in our hearts. Otherwise, when we get hurt, we will get stuck in our spiritual and even emotional bitterness, hatred, and resentment that will eventually ruin our lives. God's great mercy and love that forgives us completely when we repent and turn to him. That's the mercy we need to have. You know, actor Rob Lowe, uh, many of you guys probably know him from just various shows. I mean, this guy has been on so much. In a recent, uh, well, not so recent, like 2015, he did an interview with GQ. 
and he admits that he got sober through public humiliation. And the, he's like the pretty boy of the 80s, right? And, you know, he came in the TV show, The Brat Pack, um, back in the day. And so Lowe spent his early 20s enjoying fame and enjoying women. That was his life. And in those days, he says, the pre-sobriety days, it was like all good for him. These are his words. And he says, you know, however, I can't get there. I, I couldn't get there. I was perfectly happy. But Lowe's career came crashing to a halt, and he hit the bottom and entered rehab for his addiction. And he hasn't had a drink since. So what's his secret? Rob Lowe said, for someone in recovery like me, the single greatest hurdle, the number one with a bullet that will make you drink is resentment. The number one thing that will make you drink he says, is resentment. He says, you, you can't have it. You can't have resentment. People always say, how have you been sober 26 years? What's the secret? He says, well, that's it. You just can't have resentment. Because he said, for him, resentment leads him to drink. You know, it is because I've learned to not entertain resentment why I'm back in ministry today. Resentment kept me out of the ministry for a while. I remember coming back from Jamaica and I felt hurt and built up a lot of resentment against some of the staff members in Ford. And I said, there's no way I'm going back into ministry. I told Claude at that, at that time. But there's no way I'm going back into ministry because if this is what ministry is like, I'm done. Go went and look for my job, and that was when I came here. It was 16 years, so that's what 21 years ago, right? And I had a ton of resentment inside of me because I felt like I did so much in Florida. I went to Jamaica. I got sick and I came back, got married to, and everything was great. And I came back and I approached these guys who hadn't seen me in so long. And it was just like, <laughs> and I turned my, their back on me. And I said, you know what, babe? I'm good. Not going to happen anymore. Turns out that years later, you know, I wasn't able to contact one brother specifically, um, he left the church. and uh, But in my heart, I felt like, you know what? I forgive him. It's like, I, I can't be bothered with this. I, I forgive him. I'm not going to forget what he's doing or had done, but I'm going to forgive him. And that's why when, when Scott Kirkpatrick uh, approached me about here, I was able... Claudette and I were able to make a better decision because my heart was clean. Because otherwise, I'd have just been like, no, I ain't going to do it. 
I feel like I freed myself from resentment and forgave. In Matthew, let's talk a little bit about grace. In Matthew 18, 31, it says, When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servants, he said. You wicked servants. I canceled all that debt of yours. Because what? Because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Verse 34. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers. To be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. You know, word travels through the royal court, right? And about the servant's bad behavior and eventually gets to the king. And so he calls for the servant. He says, you, you just don't get it, do you? You're having a hard time understanding what I did for you. You, you thought grace meant that, that I was silly and incompetent and would let you get away with whatever you want and then you could go and abuse anyone you want. That's what you thought my grace was? Incompetence? I offered you a huge amount of grace and forgiveness, but you wouldn't live in it. Instead, you wanted to receive it for yourself and then selfishly deny it to others. This is not how it works in God's kingdom. The king turned to the guards and he says, look, take the servant away and throw him in prison. And as a matter of fact, leave him there until he pays back the unpayable debt. Now you and I know that this dude in prison ain't going to pay back no debt. How's he going to work? How's he going to earn anything? He's in prison! Trick is like a trick type of question type of thing. Like, what is he going to do? <laughs> you know, the servant's refusal to forgive a much smaller debt of his fellow servants is similar to what we do. That's the place that we sometimes live in. We don't, we don't always live in the forgiveness. We live in the revenge. Whether it be vocal or just in our hearts, that's where we sometimes live. That's where we sometimes sit. You know, God paid the immeasurable cost of our forgiveness. How can you hesitate to pay the infinitely smaller cost of forgiving your brother or your enemy? That's a quote by David Oscar. How can you how can you do that? See, God has given us 
a bucket full of forgiveness. Like picture it. Picture a bucket full of forgiveness. That God says, here is all my forgiveness in this bucket. But every time you accuse someone else, you accuse yourself. Every time you forgive someone else, though, you pass on a drop, a sprinkle of water out of the bucket that God has already given you. Just a sprinkle. Say the other day, my dog was was one of the dogs, uh, Raven. She was making all this noise in, in her in her crate. And I took some water and I went, mm, to get her to stop. And she just looked at me like, ah! It's like it didn't even make a difference. I did it again. I'm like thinking it would work instead. Flicked her again. And she's like, ah! Making all this noise. But that's just the little bits that we pass on to somebody else when we we forgive. Just a little sprinkle of that bucket of water, that bucket of forgiveness that God has given us. And so how long does that last? That lasts an infinite amount of time if we were just to forgive. It's like we have a bucket sitting there and somebody wrongs us and we just turn our back on the bucket and say, hey, they're not getting any of this. And just like water, it just evaporates at some point. That forgiveness just goes. You know, if confrontation has to happen, as it often will, it must always be with forgiveness and reconciliation in mind. Never revenge. Who do you need to forgive this week? And so Jesus ends with this statement in, in Matthew 18, 35. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. You know, I don't think Jesus is saying that if you don't forgive, you're going to be thrown into a torture chamber or something. I don't think that is his intention. But I do think he's saying that forgiveness not shown is forgiveness unknown. Jesus is saying that if if we are not willing to go through the spiritual surgery of forgiveness, which may not be fun, may hurt a little bit, and then you go through the recovery. If we're not willing to go through that, we will die emotionally. We will die spiritually and relationally because it reveals we have never really understood or known the grace and forgiveness of our Father. Mm -hmm. That we may be confused with that picture if we are unwilling to forgive. Have you ever carried a heavy backpack? Right now, my shoulders, guys, oh my goodness. I've been sharing this with some of the brothers. My shoulders are killing me. Like, I have to have an MRI coming up to to kind of figure out what's going on. Went to uh, Sports Med the other day. They did an x-ray. Showed nothing. I'm like, dude, it ain't bone, I guess. But I'm still hurting. (laughs) You know, like, I'm in pain. Like, I can barely sleep at night. Sometimes I'm sitting there and the pain just radiates through my shoulders. And so, like, I, I, you know, I can't carry a backpack anymore that, that, that weighs down on it. But have you ever carried, like, a heavy backpack? 
or bag for an extended period of time. Some, some, I've seen some women, guys. You guys carry some big bags, right? Unlike one arm. And I'm like, look, just bring your wallet and your cell phone. Like, leave the luggage, right? But how does it feel on your? How does it feel on your shoulders? How does it feel on your shoulders? It probably hurts. I mean, do you feel tired and exhausted? Now imagine carrying that weight every day for years. Maybe even decades. See, that is the weight of unforgiveness. When we hold on to grudges and refuse to forgive others, we are carrying a heavy burden that weighs us down emotionally and spiritually. But when we choose to forgive, we release that weight and experience the freedom and lightness that comes with it. Also, imagine you borrowed a large sum of money, right? From a friend. And despite your promises to repay it, you never do. How would your friend feel? Feel Angry, frustrated, hurt. Now imagine if you never repaid that debt and your friend had to suffer financial difficulty because of your actions. That is the cost of unforgiveness. When we refuse to forgive others, we are choosing to hold on to their debts and make them suffer the consequences of their actions. Instead of letting go and trusting that justice, that God's justice will be served in its time. But when we choose to forgive, we release that debt and entrust it to God's justice and mercy. Before we conclude, many of you have probably seen Star Wars, right? Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And in the final scenes, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker fight this epic battle. And Anakin is defeated and lies on the ground and he's, he's pardon me, but he's burning alive. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a, Terrible scene. And sadly, Anakin screams his hatred still to Obi-Wan. See, Anakin's inability to forgive ultimately leads him to the dark side. I'm not going to spoil if you haven't seen it. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> spoil it anymore. I think I kind of did, but... Um, but it ultimately leads him to the dark side because he won't forgive. See, forgiveness is a powerful tool in restoring unity. But we should be able to forgive even if we're not asked to forgive. Even if we're not asked to forgive, we should be able to forgive. You know, outside of the Lord's Prayer, we never had the opportunity of asking Jesus to die for our sins. But he did anyway. Think about it. Outside of the Lord's Prayer, 
there, there, there wasn't another time, really, that we asked Jesus to die for our sins. And in the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to forgive us our sins, just as we forgive those who sin against us in Matthew 6, 12. And then Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And so in light of other scriptures that, that speak of God's forgiveness, this verse, these two verses are best understood to be saying that people who refuse to forgive others have not truly experienced God's forgiveness themselves. Wow. Ephesians 4, 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, come on, just as Christ, God forgave you. So Jesus has has given us the most compelling reason of all to forgive one another. And so whenever we're tempted to hold on to unforgiveness, we should remind ourselves of the great forgiveness God extends to us. So let us choose forgiveness, even when it's difficult. And let's work towards unity and peace in our relationships, towards Closing the gap that is between us. Let's seek and embrace a pure heart. I hope this series has served to encourage us. I hope it has served to move us closer to each other and the people around us. And I'll close out by saying this. Next time you find it hard to forgive, meditate on the forgiveness you have received from our Lord. John Ruskin says, if you want to work for the kingdom of God and to bring it and to enter into it, there is just one condition to be, to, to be first accepted. You must enter it as children or not at all. Amen. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Can we give JD another hand? What an amazing way to end the series. I may share. It hit me. Um, I have seen Star Wars. <laughs> um, I think it goes even further to say when Anakin gave into hatred, he didn't just ruin himself. He ruined the love of his life. And he ruined his kids' lives. So our unforgiveness affects not only us, but everyone else around us. So, and uh, man, these, these past few sermons have been hidden. I appreciate it. <laughs> Makes me tweak a little bit, but sometimes you got to tweak for God to tweak you, right? <laughs> hey, man, let's all stand up.